it is not enough for you to come, hear truth, and in your little heart of hearts say, I believe it. That's not going to get you very far in onward, onward progress with God. And that's not going to make any of the walls fall that you're facing. Faith declares outwardly what it believes inwardly. Would you lock arms with the rest of us who have boldly proclaimed that Jesus is Lord and we want the world to know it? We are running the Jesus flag to the top of the flagpole and we're getting the gospel right and we're getting the gospel out. We need you to come with us. Welcome to Resonate with Trent Griffith, Senior Pastor of Harvest Bible Chapel in Granger, Indiana. I'm Aaron Paulus. In last week's message in the book of Joshua, we learned that God gave specific instructions to the Israelites as they faced the city of Jericho. Spiritual victory was going to require their faith and action. So what is God's instruction to us as we wait for spiritual victory? Let's join Pastor Trent now for part two of the message, Fight from Faith, and hear what it takes to face the walls in our own lives. Here's Pastor Trent. Faith is always rooted in the objective Word of God, not some subjective, sentimental idea of what I want to happen. Faith is rooted in the objective truth revealed by God. God told them, I want you to get up, I want you to get moving, and I want you to start marching. Really, God? Yeah, just take one foot and put it in front of the other. And you're going to march. You're going to march for seven days. So they were to do 13 laps around the city. Sometimes all you have to do to obey God is just keep taking the next step. Take another step. Take another step. Take another step. Faith moves and marches when God tells you to march, where God tells you to march, and how God tells you to march. And so what is the next step that God wants you to do? Does it seem a little redundant to you? You say, why am I doing this? I'm sure that the Israelites probably thought the same thing. Question, did God need their shouting and marching for the walls to fall? Yes or no? No. Question, would the walls have fallen without their shouting and marching? No. Because God requires faith. Faith walks. Here's the second thing. Faith waits. Have you ever noticed that God's timing is rarely your timing? God is always on time. He's never late. But He is seldom early. Have you noticed that? And so faith requires us to wait for God's provision. They had, a, they had to wait for a week obeying God waiting for those walls to fall. Look here at verse 15. On the seventh day, they rose early at the dawn of the day and they marched around the city and marched seven times in the same manner, redundant, redundant, step after step. And it was only on that day that they marched around the city seven times. Faith marches onward through seasons of doubt. As they walked around that walls, I think God was trying to convince them of their inadequacy. 
Put yourself in the army. You're marching around the walls, and it's like, this wall's getting really familiar. I imagine they were probably inspecting the wall on day two and day three to see, is our marching contributing anything to the falling of this wall? I'm still not seeing any cracks in the wall. It wasn't a gradual deterioration in the wall over the week. That wall was just as impossible on day seven as it was on day one. And so they were circling. Not only that, but while they were marching, if you were a citizen of Jericho, what would you have been doing? What are these crazy Israelites doing outside our wall? If it was me, I would have been like on top of the wall gazing over, and I have just enough sarcasm in me to like be hurling insults at these people. Anybody with me? Would, Would I be the only one up there? Like, what are you doing? Why are you carrying that box? What, what's the deal with the trumpets? You people, you're really sad musicians. And you have a sad object of faith. We're trusting in our walls. What do you got? You got no weapons? I mean, after a while, you ever felt like the world does that to you? What are you doing? Going to church? Praying prayers? Reading a Bible? What's this worship thing that you do? You ever feel like you get ridiculed and mocked for your faith? You should expect it. That's exactly what people have done. We march onward through the rejection and the ridicule. And even when some of those degrading comments lodge in our brains and create a little doubt, we march on. And we wait for God to move. Not only that, faith expresses quiet confidence until God moves. Notice the instruction that God gave them here in verse 10. But Joshua commanded the people, You shall not shout or make your voice heard, neither shall there be any word go out of your mouth. So imagine this. These citizens of Jericho were hurling insults from the wall. How many of you could think of some really snappy comebacks? at sarcastic citizens of Jericho. You got an encyclopedia of those ready to fire? God said, you're not allowed to speak a word for six days. Now let me see who's here in the, in the congregation, okay? How, let's, let's divide you up into um, introvert and extrovert, okay? How many of you, you are the extrovert? You, you are the shouters. You would have no problem... Um, shout, hurling comments back. How many, how many of you are the, the, where are you? Okay, right there. Okay, you're having a trouble, you're having trouble even being quiet in this service because you're thinking of snappy combats to what I'm saying right now, right? Just restrain yourself. You're in church, okay? So, um, th- th- there, we have shouters in here. I mean, you can't wait until the day when it's time to shout. This service was tailor made for you. It's all about shouting. It's like, man, this is the most awesome thing I've ever seen in my life. This is great. How many of you think you're a little uncomfortable right now? It's like, this is a loud crowd, and uh, I'm more introverted, okay? To be honest with you, I'm in this bucket over here. I'm with you. I'll be the leader of the introverts. And my definition of an introvert is someone who likes to think more than they like to talk. I don't know what that says about this group over here, but I just, I like to think rather than talk. I'm not a big shouter. I'm just kind of even like that. How many of you are with me? Where are the introverts, okay? And now, now listen, please understand There is a time to shout. All of us introverts, we need to express our worship and declare our faith maybe a little more loudly than what we do. But if you're in this bucket over here, you are the shouters, 
You would have hated the first six days of this assignment. You're not allowed to speak a word. You can't complain. You can't criticize. You can't turn to the people who are not marching fast enough and tell them to get with it and speed up. You can't scream at the people in front of you and tell them to slow down. You're going too fast. You just have to be quiet and express your complaint to God only. Zip it. You can't create any drama. You can't file any complaints with the leadership. You can't call customer service and give them a piece of your mind. You just have to express quiet confidence in the ability of God to do what only God can do. Quiet confidence. And then notice this. Faith worships while it waits. Even though they weren't allowed to speak a word, this was not a quiet event. Because what was going on the whole time this was happening? There were trumpets blaring. There were these seven priests that had seven ram's horns. Like, what's the whole thing? Did you notice how redundant it was, the, the number seven was in this story? What is the significance of the number seven? And the number seven is, in the Bible, very significant. It's a signal to us of the idea of completion or perfection. And what God was saying here, he, he didn't need seven priests because six wouldn't do. He was trying to send a message to God's people saying, this victory is going to be absolutely complete and total. It points back to the seven days of creation. When God created the world, He did it in seven days. He took six days to work. He took one day to rest. The number of completion is seven. And so He was trying to point them back to, this is something only God can do, just like only God can create the world. This is a battle that only God can win. And so were these seven ram's horns. What do you think that sounded like? I, I kind of ran out of time in preparation. I, I maybe should have found somebody that had a ram's horn. Did anybody happen to bring a ram's horn to church? We could. Any, does anybody bring a, a shofar? Pastor Nathan, good. Come on up here. I'm glad you brought your your ram's horn up here. Let's let's find out what a ram's horn would sound like. Now you have to remember, there were there were like professional priests that had a lot of practice blowing ram's horn, and there were seven of these things. We only have one, and all we have is Pastor Nathan. So, um, can you demonstrate what this might have sounded like? What do you think? Let's vote. You want to give him another run at that? Okay, let's see if you can do better. All right. So we have a remedial trumpet player up here. Um, I'm thinking that the ram's horn was a lot bigger and there were seven of them, so the sound was a little bit louder. Do we, if I had thought about it, maybe we could have got like a decibel meter and kind of measured that. Um, did anybody happen to bring a decibel meter? Oh, good. Okay, so um, we have that one up here. So everybody, first of all, we need to know what like complete silence looks like. So nobody's allowed to say a word, right? So complete silence. Let's measure the baseline here.
what, what I'm thinking is, I think we really need like a trumpet. And if I, if I thought about it, maybe, did anybody happen to bring a trumpet to church? Oh, good. We have a trumpet in the back. Okay. So what would it sound like? First of all, let's compare that complete silence. That's better. And then there was the shout. Now we're doing it. Now, this time I want to only hear from the crowd that is 50 years old or above. Here we go. Ram's horn. Trumpet. I saw 103. You think the crowd below that can, can match that? Let's try that again. Ram's horn. Trumpet. That's what I thought. Okay, you guys can go have a seat. So now do you feel like you've experienced the Bible and not just heard about it? Faith worships while it waits. Do you know what the ram's horn was? The ram's horn was an instrument to call the people to battle and to call the people to worship. Those those priests were carrying the Ark of the Covenant. And notice where it was. Did, did you see it there? Look, look here in verse, uh, in verse 13. The seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of ram's horn before the Ark of the Lord walked on. And they blew the trumpets continually. And the armed men were walking before them. And the rear guard was walking after the Ark of the Lord. So do you see the sequence? There were these three different sections of the parade. Right in the middle of the parade were the priests, the worship leaders, and the pastors who were there with the presence of God, the, the Ark of the Covenant, right in the center, blowing these ram's horns, calling the people to worship. And there was a group that went on before them known as the armed men, which is the place... We want the people with the weapons in the front, right? And they're blazing the trail. The men are always supposed to be blazing the trail as the leaders take steps so that we know where to go. If you're a man, you're to be blazing the trail in your family, blazing the trail in worship, blazing the trail of leadership in this church. And then we also have a rear guard, people that shrewdly watch for sneak attacks from behind. But right in the middle is the place of worship where the Ark of the Covenant went before, representing, as we learned last week, the presence of God. And only if you worship will you be able to endure the wait. Are you worshiping in the season that God is requiring you to wait? Here's the third thing faith does. Faith wins. Would you like another run at that? Faith wins. You believe that? Look here in verse um, in verse 20. So the people shouted and the trumpets were blown. And as soon as the people heard the sound of the trumpet, the people shouted with a great shout and the wall fell down flat. And every man went up into the city, every man straight before the Lord, and they captured the city. You know what? Faith declares outwardly what it believes inwardly. It's a great lesson for us here this morning. I know that some of you are new to this whole thing of faith. Some of you are new to church, new to the gospel. Can I just simply say to you, it is not enough for you to come 
hear truth, and in your little heart of hearts say, I believe it. That's not going to get you very far in onward, onward progress with God. And that's not going to make any of the walls fall that you're facing. Faith declares outwardly what it believes inwardly. Some of you have come to this church, you have heard the gospel as we declare every week that Jesus on that cross became your substitute for sin and that believing in Him not only pardons your sin, but it imputes righteousness to all who believe and secures a home in heaven. And you say, I believe it. And you've bowed your head and you've closed your eyes and you've looked around to make sure nobody was watching and somehow in your heart of heart, Lord, I believe. That's a good baby step. Could we invite you into the shouting army of God who is going onward in our worship? Would you lock arms with the rest of us who have boldly proclaimed that Jesus is Lord and we want the world to know it? We are running the Jesus flag to the top of the flagpole and we're getting the gospel right and we're getting the gospel out. We need you to come with us. And listen, if you don't have enough guts to boldly, outwardly proclaim Jesus is Lord, I think you're going to be shocked when you stand before God in heaven and Jesus doesn't boldly proclaim you're one of His. You say, he would He do that? That's exactly what He told you He would do. He said, if you will not declare Me before men, I will not declare you before my Father in heaven. Well, I'm just kind of an introvert and I don't really like people and I might make fun of my hair. Have you seen the hair around here? You're like, well, I'm just not quite sure that God could save somebody like... Have you seen some of the people around here he's saved? Well, I'm just not... What if I sin tomorrow? Have you seen some of the sin that we've committed around here? We're all in need and we're all... I'm just not quite sure I can live up to my part of the bargain. Your part of the bargain is faith. That's it. And God wants you to go onward, not believing in your ability to walk it out, but believing in His ability to work it in. And so come at the end of the service. Do you know the way we end the service around here? I say it every week. There's pastors and elders up here. And we're waiting for anybody that would want to come and outwardly declare what they believe inward, that Jesus is Lord. He's the only one who can save me. He's my only hope of heaven. Will anybody believe it? It starts in the heart, but it is declared outwardly through the mouth. And then obviously the most visible way that you declare that you're one of Him is through baptism. And that is the visible picture that you with Christ have died and are buried and have been raised again. You have been resurrected to walk in the newness of life. Faith declares itself outwardly. And faith shouts in the face of unbelief. Those of us that believe would honestly admit to you that some days it's hard to believe and that we do have doubts. But what we do in the face of our doubts is shout back the truth in the face of our unbelief. 
knowing that it is not faith in self, it is faith in our great God. It's not a great faith that brings the walls down. It is a faith in a great God that brings the walls down. We have to at times shout in the face of unbelief. There's times that we have to understand that we don't have it figured out. It doesn't make sense. That's why it's faith. And yet we believe that we have a God of war that can topple things in our lives. And we've got a track record of walking by faith and seeing what God has done to change our lives and to come through at every moment. That's why we have a confidence in our God in whom we've put our faith. And here's the last thing. Faith understands it is not about me. If you're one of these people that thinks that somehow if you just believe hard enough that somehow God is obligated to give you all that you want, you do not understand faith. Somehow you think that God exists to make much of you. Boy, if I just believe hard enough, I'm going to win the lottery. I just believe hard enough, all my kids are going to be walking with God. They might, and your faith may be the key to unlocking all of those things, but they may not. Faith understands it's not about me. In the Scripture, do you know how the story ends? Put that slide back up. Look at it. It says here in verse 24, And they burned the city with fire and everything in it, and only the silver and the gold and the vessels of bronze and of iron they put in the treasury of the house of the Lord. For some of us, if we would have been in the army and the walls fell, the first thing on your mind was going in to get the loot. Man, there's some nice clothes in there. And man, they got all their cell phones charged. And I'm going to go in there and put some of those in my pockets. And what did God tell them to do? God says, get your greedy fingers off of it. Your faith is not what brought the walls down. And the walls didn't come down for you to consume what is on the inside of the walls. The victory was God's victory. It was to declare that there was a God in heaven that was marching onward, and He was using these people to get glory that was only due His name. When we think about this story, too often I think we think about us being in the army, and I think God wants us to visualize that, that God has told us to go forward, and He wants us to march, and He wants us to shout, and He wants us to worship. But have you ever considered this? Have you ever found yourself in the story on the inside of the wall? Have you ever imagined yourself as a, city of Jer as, as a citizen in the city of Jericho? You're a person that's walled yourself off from God. You've declared yourself to be an enemy of God. You're worshiping false gods. You have faith in your walls. You have faith in yourself. Do you understand that that's the reality for every one of us? That until or unless God provides a rescue for me as a citizen of Jericho, I am doomed to destruction. I will receive the same fate as the citizens of Jericho received. There was only one family that made it out alive in Jericho. We read about her last couple of weeks ago. Remember Rahab? Rahab was rescued by faith. 
She believed in those messengers that brought her the good news of this great God. And she acknowledged that she had been worshiping false gods and she came and she threw herself on His mercy. Do you understand? Jesus is the object of our faith and that faith in Jesus is the only way to escape the coming judgment. Until you and I come to the end of ourselves and say, I can't make it to heaven on my good works. Until we see ourselves as an enemy of God, wanting to be our own God, we'll never trust in something outside of ourselves. Do you have faith in yourself or do you have faith in Jesus Christ as the only substitute for sin? Hebrews 11.30 says this, By faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. The Protestant reformer John Calvin explains that the walls did not fall through the shouts of men or the sounds of trumpets, but because the people believed that the Lord would do what he had promised. Our faith makes a difference, not because we're so great, but because our God, the object of our faith, is... Well, Pastor Trent has joined us in the studio today, and one of the ways that he and the leadership of Harvest Bible Chapel Granger has been exercising their faith recently has to do with seeking God's direction for a campus in Elkhart County. That's right, Aaron. We've discovered that there are a large number of people that have been driving from Elkhart County to attend Harvest Bible Chapel in Granger, and those people have asked us if we could locate a campus near them. We also realize there's many listeners to resonate in Elkhart County, and so we want to get the word out that we are planting a campus of Harvest in Elkhart County. Tell us a little bit about what makes Harvest Bible Chapel a unique church. Well, Aaron, our church exists to glorify God through the fulfillment of the Great Commission, making disciples. And we do that through exercising four pillars that are very important to the way that we make those disciples. It's the unapologetic preaching of God's Word, which the listeners of Resonate uh, get to experience through this radio program, but also the unashamed worship of Jesus Christ the unceasing prayers of God's people and the unafraid witness of those people as we not only get the gospel right, but get the gospel out. And we want to get the gospel out to Elkhart County. So for listeners who would want to be a part of a church like that, tell us about a vision meeting coming up here soon. Next weekend on July the 16th, we will be hosting a vision meeting at our Granger campus. It'll take place at 1 p.m. Uh, right after our 1130 service. And so we want people to attend both. If you are in Elkhart County and you are not a part of a church that preaches God's word unapologetically and lifts high the name of Jesus in worship and prays unceasingly and gets the gospel right and gets the gospel out, we want to introduce you to Harvest Bible Chapel and uh, what is coming soon in Elkhart County. We'd love for you to be a part of it. So join us for that vision meeting on July the 16th at 1 p.m. at our Granger campus. You can learn more about that at harvestgranger.org slash Elkhart. Once again, that website address is harvestgranger.org slash Elkhart. Well, thanks for listening today. I hope you'll return next week as Pastor Trent continues in this series through the book of Joshua. Each week at Harvest Bible Chapel, Pastor Trent teaches truths from God's word, just like you heard here today. 
And if you're in the area and are looking for a place to grow in your faith, we invite you to join us at a weekend worship service on one of our two campuses in Granger, Indiana, or St. Joseph, Michigan. You can find service times and campus locations on our website, harvestgranger.org. Well, I'm Aaron Paulus. Thanks for joining us today. And I hope that God's word will resonate in your heart and mind this week. Resonate is a radio ministry of Harvest Bible Chapel, Granger. Visit us online at harvestgranger.org.